Welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on their journey toward publication. I'm Rhonda Hagerman, and I write both fiction and nonfiction. I'm currently working on a series of articles for my hometown historical society. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane. I write in multiple genres, including Christian dystopian fiction. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. We'd like to start each episode with a segment we call What's Up? It's a time to check in with one another and see where we are uh, with our writing and our personal lives. So, Tina, what's up? Uh, well, I had a kind of a highlight of my, uh, this week that was kind of my favorite moment kind of thing, <clears throat> where um, my son wrote a paragraph um, for a writing prompt, and it seems really good to me, but I'm his mother, and... So I thought, well, I'm probably biased because, you know, we put our little, you know, their little scribbles on the refrigerator when they're little and we're so proud and um, nobody else can tell what it is. Um, but yeah. then I got some feedback from a couple of you guys and you guys saw the same kind of potential in him that I did. And and then to see him excited about writing, that just, just kind of made my week. That's awesome. great. Jamie, what did you do this week? Well, um, I am pretty excited because my website is taking shape. I'm starting a new web adventure. Uh, going to have a web page called Writing Shorts, and it's going to have all kinds of information and inspiration for other writers of short fiction. It's a specific set of struggles that we have, and I'm excited to begin encouraging others on the journey awesome cool jen you um i had an interesting week i well worked my website and it's pretty much all um done a couple little tweaks probably here and there um but what brought it to completion really was um, i went on a photo shoot with my hubby and um for any of you that know us uh, he's not a professional photographer and i'm not a professional model and we just went downtown um downtown flint and um we had dinner because you know if you got to get a babysitter, you might as well make it into a date night. And um, we just started taking pictures, and he's just so gracious. Like, he would let me look at the picture and say, oh, no. And then I would tell him what he was doing wrong, and he would just do it. Like, he, he didn't mind um, taking 300 pictures, and I'm only happy with, like, four of them. And so um, <laughs> it was great. It was actually a lot of fun for us, and I felt good because I was able to have some images that I could put on the website and um, just get that going. And, yeah, because none of us like to get our picture taken, right? But so you want something that that looks like you with some personality, and I felt like he he was able to do that. So yeah, yeah, they came out awesome. great. Oh, mm-hmm. thank yeah. you. They did. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. How about you, Rhonda? What have you been up to? Well, uh, this week I was appointed the curator of my local historical society. Congratulations! So that is good. Thank you. I'm very excited about it, and that's going to um, really influence my writing, and because it's going to take up a lot of my time. And it's also um, becoming a big part of the book that I'm writing with my mom. That's fun. That's really awesome. Sounds fun. So so speaking of things taking too much time from your writing day, um, our topic this week is creating a daily writing habit. So uh, why do you three write daily? Oh, gosh, there's lots of different reasons. Um, For me, if I don't write daily, I may not write for a week. Like I have to do something every day um, to fit it in because there is no perfect time, right? There is never a day that's like, I'm going to spend so much time writing today because I have nothing on my schedule. 
No, <laughs> that never happens. I'm a mom. We're all moms. Um, I'm a wife. I am uh, a housekeeper, kind of part-time maybe <laughs> on a good day, um, but it, it doesn't happen. So I have to write every single day just so that I just actually do it. Right. Because how else do you get content? How else do you ever get published if you don't do the writing? Exactly. Plus I feel like uh, when the more I write, the better I become too. So it improves mm-hmm. my craft just, just by the sheer amount that you do. Isn't it the truth? I mean, I think it was you, Jen, that had mentioned reading somewhere, um, Stephen King himself saying that his early work is just garbage. And he's somebody that people might hold up as a the way to write correctly kind of a guy. But as he himself saw that over the years, the more he wrote, the better his craft, the more he improved his craft. And I think there's a lesson there for all of us to just keep putting those words out. I don't know if and he actually, called himself there's... garbage, but yeah, he he did point out that like, the more you write, the better you get. Go ahead, Tina. <laughs> um, there's actually scientific proof to back up what you're saying. So I found this article a long time ago, and I went looking for it again. So it's an article on the Institute for Writers website, and it's called Are You Training Your Brain? And what happened was they did a study, a scientific study in Germany. It was the Center for Diagnostic Radiology. Uh, at the University of Greifswald, Germany, and a writing and culture journalism uh, institute, also at the university, a university in Germany. And what they did is they took two groups of people, experienced writers and novice writers, and hooked them up to an what's called an fMRI, which is a functional MRI, and um, looked at the um, had them write while they were under the MRI and looked at what parts of their brain lit up. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. And, and I found – I was looking at it again today, and it was – I was just – it's just exciting all over again. There were notable differences mm-hmm. between a novice writer and an experienced writer. A novice writer, the only part of their brain that lit up was the uh, visual center which is where you keep memory. So it was almost like they were um, remembering what they wanted to write as they were writing it, and that's how they were writing. But the experienced writers um, had, let me find it, their prefrontal cortex and their basal ganglia lit up when they were writing. These are the parts of the brain that people use when they are skilled in things like music, um, playing a musical instrument, Playing a professional sport or riding a bicycle, you've heard the term. It's just like riding a bicycle. It comes back to you because it's been stored over in that part of the brain. Um, But there's more that I found. The most experienced writers, when they write, their speech centers lit up. Hmm. And if you were um, writing an action story while you were writing, your motor cortex the, the part of your brain that you experience sensations of when you're walking and running and doing those kind of things lit up. And so if you were, I can like write an action story and say that I had this awesome workout today because I like <laughs> ran and yes, like jumped over the bad guy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were a literary writer, your right cuneus lights up, which is a verbal creativity center of your brain. And the part that I found most exciting, so not only are we training our brains when we're writing every day, if we do it well, 
our readers, those same parts of their brain are going to light up when they're reading it. Yeah, because that's the cool thing. I remember you sharing this about a year ago originally with us was um, that even though the novice writers, they don't have their brains glowing the same way that experienced writers do, the writers that write every single day, the novice writers can get there like it's a practice just because the part of the brain that is used like you point out is the same part of the brain that like a professional athlete when they get out on like say the court and they're doing something that has become just habit for them because they practice 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 exactly. it goes into a different part of the brain so the more you write 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 it's gonna become like a part of us that it just kind of happens and it flows better and our brain starts glowing and we experience this because once you share this with us we decide all right we're just going to try start writing every day and see what happens and the more we wrote the more often we wrote the easier it was to write and it just felt like it was better writing and it was just became it didn't become a chore we there was the writer's block was like a thing of the past and yeah so, mm-hmm. so tina um shoot us the goal from this article does it say what do you mean by someone who writes a lot so is there a word count that they gave it was the time so they said they wrote at least an hour a day and the ones that wrote more often, more sections of their brain, like more, if they wrote three hours, like then the more sections of the brain would light up awesome. and the, the longer they had done it also. And so for those of you who are um, medical geeks like me and you want to read the actual study, I'll put the link in down below and, you know, you can read all the scientific jargon and all that stuff. So can we plan a field trip for this? Can we go check out our own brains writing? Someday. Um, so cool. I'm not sure I can afford a ticket to Germany, but well, maybe they'll have one in uh, our area. It's a well, tax area. Like, can we just go down to Walmart and get one of those MRI thingies and oh. you know... <laughs> go to Walmart? Maybe. You know the thing that's staying on for your feet. We'll just be down there with our heads on. <laughs> they'll tell arch support it's, for our ear. It's an- totally another DIY, thing that right. Another thing that really struck me when I was reading the the actual study, they were describing how they went about doing this this study. And so you can't take a keyboard into an MRI machine because it's a huge magnet and the MRI the keyboard would go flying and you know, it would be bad. So what they did is they had peop- they had like this thing that you could rest your arm on and they would have a pencil and paper. And they could not move their head because, you know, it's imaging. So, like, they were even writing under not optimal conditions. And all these parts of their brain were lighting up. So, Oh, it's very cool. That's That's great. I like the handwriting, too. Yeah, because I often write in not optimal conditions. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mom, what are you doing in there? When's dinner? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so um, I appreciate that everybody writes every day. That's a good habit. Now, um, can you tell me, say you're writing for an hour a day, how are you guaranteeing that you're improving your writing instead of just slopping words down? Hmm. That's a good well, Do you do anything? I um, am a recent... I've just recently started to embrace the fact that I just write short. I um, have not produced a novel length manuscript unless you count a 50,000 word nano novel, which I've discovered publishers really aren't interested in. 
So my work is shorter. So I tend to read and um, look at things pertinent to short writers. And there's a writer out there called Dean Wesley Smith who believes in writing into the dark. And what he says is not to just slop out words like you would be doing in a completely um, I've locked away my inner editor um, way, but to write some and then kind of lift your eyes back up just to kind of make sure and then keep writing and then lift your eyes up and just kind of make sure so that you're not just writing dog, cat, bird, looking around the room for words to put onto the paper, that you're writing things that will tell the story that is hopefully, you know, coming to you in your brain from basal ganglia or wherever. Um, I think just a matter of setting your mind to telling the story as opposed to focusing on having the words on the paper, I guess is how I would summarize what I just said. Okay. And I would right. say for now, before me I get a... too, sorry, just real quick. For me too, I think okay. there's at the beginning at least, there were some days that it was just slop. I'll be honest. Mm. Um, but the more you do it, the more your brain starts glowing. And pretty soon you realize that you sit down, you set a timer, and you do mm. it, and uh, you've written something great you know, that you didn't think that you even had in you. So I think mm -hmm. it, it comes with the practice and the um, exercising of your writing muscles. Yeah, I think that's been my experience too. Okay, so sorry for getting us off track, but um, so we talked about why we try to write every day. So do you have any tips or tricks um, to keep yourself on track? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think it first starts with just deciding you're going to do it, just making the commitment that you are going to write every day. So it was so funny because when Tina said, well, actually, it was an hour a day, I could feel sort of a palpable, a whole hour yeah, kind race. of like yes. racing through us. And I know I was thinking about our podcast listeners like, I don't have a whole hour to write every day. Well, that's fine because maybe your goal should not be to write every day. The old uh, management trick of setting SMART goals really applies here. Your goal should mm -hmm. be specific, of course. So if you can't write an hour a day, what specifically are you committing to do? Are you committing to 500 words a day? Are you committing to sitting down for just 10 minutes a day? There's a wonderful Facebook group called 10 Minute novelist. It's a book by, I believe her name is Kathleen Grubb, and she wrote How to Write a Novel, just 10 minutes of your time a day. The bottom line is to make goals that are reachable so that you don't get discouraged. I think also, too, like you have to just make the time. You know, we're all moms. We all know what the, our, all the different commitments we have that are pulling us in different directions. But like Jamie said, make a goal and then um, make the time for it. If it means you wake up a half an hour earlier than everybody else, start doing that and see what happens. Um, that doesn't work for me. It works for me in the summertime. I get up early while everyone's still in bed. But in the school year, um, my life is crazy from sunrise to sunset. So I have to try to write when my kids are at school. Uh, I know some people homeschool, so that doesn't work for them. Um, but um, I, I, some people have a dedicated writing time. And I think that's awesome. So that would be one tip. That doesn't work for me. But um, what does work for me is having, um, like, 
the commitment that I'm going to write every single day, but remembering that it doesn't have to be on my novel. There's a lot that goes into being an author than just that novel you're working on. Now, for me, not everybody, but for me, novel is king. Like, that's that's my goal. That's going to be my bread and butter is writing uh, romance novels. But um, I also have to write blog posts for the podcast, and I have to write newsletters for – for my newsletters and things like that. And that all counts because it's all pushing us towards publication. So that's, that works for me, I guess, is having like not a lot of pressure on myself, you know, and not like beating myself up if I do miss a day. Right. Tina, as a homeschooling mom, have you, has it been easier for you or more difficult to find time to write every day? Well, I don't think either one. I think it's, um, my son is in high school, and he's pretty independent. He's an independent learner. And so he he likes to be in the living room where I am. And so he'll be on his laptop doing his uh, homework. It's all homework. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'll be on mine, and I can be doing my writing, or I work online, so sometimes I'll be working. Um, so it's really a matter of being disciplined for me. Mm-hmm. To, and so I found for me to just set a timer for an hour and say for the next hour, I'm just going to work on writing. Okay. And that's what I've had to do. Mm-hmm. So have uh, the three of you, your various writing groups, have they encouraged you or kept your mind on writing every day or has it been a distraction? I think our writing group has have kept us on target with it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times uh, Facebook messages popped up at us saying, who wants a sprint? Which I don't know. if we Have we talked about sprints today? I don't think we have talked about sprints. No, I haven't. That's, that's been, like, instrumental in helping me to stay on track is to uh, do a writing sprint. We I, I like the Pomodoro um, philosophy of 25 minutes of, of, a, of something and then a five-minute break. Now, we've done 15-minute writing 15 minute breaks and that works fine too. But for me, I find that what I can accomplish in 15 minutes more than doubles when I do 25 minutes, even though it's only adding 10, you know, it almost triples how much writing I can get when I do that. Um, yeah, because it, when we've done 15, a lot of times we're like, Oh, I, I was like finally kind of catching my groove and we almost longed for that other 10 minutes. So, yeah. So think about the, the, I mean, there is at least an hour in everybody's day. I know, we are all busy. I don't know anyone busier than the four of us, but we um, can find an hour that we have been maybe doing other things that we just don't need to do or mm-hmm. that, you know, aren't as important. And I know I spend at least an hour a day, um, I don't know, playing games on my phone or th- times that I'm waiting at the bus stop and I could be writing. Um, mm-hmm. And if you think about it, if we could take an hour and do two sprints, 25 minutes, five minute break, 25 minutes, five minute break. And in that hour, you're done for the day. Like, think about that. If you're a working mom or a stay at home mom, or you've got a job and you just are thinking, I don't know how I'm going to write every single day. Find, like Jamie said, find 10 minutes and do that. If you have a half an hour, do a half an hour. If you have an hour, do an hour. And, um, I mean, there's some goals out there, 500 words a day. Some, some are timed. Like, you know, I'm going to make sure I write an hour a day. But some people set, like, word count goals. I'm going to write 500 words a day. Now, think about that. 500 words for us, now that we've been writing for a while, is maybe a half an hour. Even if it took us an hour, 
to write 500 words. You're spending an hour a day, and by the end of the year, you have a, either one massive 150,000-word <laughs> novel, two normal-sized novels, or three novellas. Then think about it. You know, so mm-hmm. um, you can do this. Anyone who's watching right. this, you can do this. Yeah, being Jen, when you because... dedicated yourself to um, writing every day, did you dedicate a place in your house? That, do you go to the same place every day, try to do the same time, or what What rules did you set up for yourself? Okay, so for me, it's, it might be different for other people, but for me, um, I have two desks in my house, and um, they tend to collect garbage on them because I am sitting in the recliner, I am standing at a makeshift standing desk, Um, I am um, sitting at the kitchen table when my kids are doing homework. I don't sit in the same place. Mm -hmm. One thing that I have found that really does work for me is getting out of my house. Um, Mm. Going to a coffee shop, meeting you ladies at Panera Bread or Tim Hortons or even McDonald's somewhere, just getting out of the house um, some really helps me because when I'm home, there are distractions, whether I want, even if I'm alone, there's always some dishes to be done. There's always some laundry to be folded. There's always things that can distract me. And if I can get mm-hmm. away, I can generally just focus on the writing and then come back to the other things I have to do. Right. That's what works for we me. We know that Tina's got her, um, space fire son. Uh, Jamie, what do you do? Well, it's interesting that you ask. I'm currently living in a in-between situation because we're trying to move to another state and sell the other house, so whatever. But I have a goal to have a designated writing space, and not just a designated writing space, but a designated writing machine. And here's why. I never really, I mean, I had heard before that you can kind of condition yourself to assist with that like brain-glowing stuff by doing things in a ritualistic sort of a way. So for example, there was a time when we were doing a lot of writing sprints that I was listening to a particular kind of music and writing to that music. So then I kind of got away from that. I got away from a lot of the writing, you know, trying to sell a house, everything like that. And then the next time I went back to do a writing sprint and I put that music back on, I was like, fount of ideas are flowing from my fingertips. And I realized that I had become conditioned to this is writing music. So I'm writing now. Now it could just be the weird kind of an odd bird that I am, that that works for me. So I'm really excited to kind of see how doing other things to put me in the frame of mind of like, this is the time to write how that will make me feel or perform and how my productivity will be. Um, At the time, I do not really even have a space that I could claim for myself. We're in kind of a small situation with five people. So, but this is like a goal of mine. Um, Maybe, and and when I do do that, I will report how I feel about how that's working for me. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned another really good tip there too, though, Jamie, Um, you mentioned the music and um, I'd like to kind of talk about that a little bit too, because I listen to the same, I think some of the other ladies do too, the same music. It is um, like a binary beat music. It'll be classical music or um, some sort of instrumental music, but they have put binary beats and brainwave like music is what they call it underneath. And it's for helping with studying or being productive. And um, I have found when I use that, man, what a difference. Especially repeatedly. Yes, and I mean, okay, so like ever the skeptic, I don't know if it's a placebo effect or not. I mean, I could be listening to Little Miss Can't Do Wrong over and over on a loop, and maybe that becomes my writing music. So if you're someone like 
brainwave beats. What is that? Well, then just try it with whatever music. Try it with just Mm -hmm. Mozart. Try it with just the same Kenny G soundtrack. But try and see if you can condition yourself to where when I am in this environment, I am writing and put yourself in the creative space where the story mm-hmm. is flowing from you instead of in the space where I'm a business person and I have to advance my, you know, writing career by working on a website or checking out what people are saying about me on social media. No, it's writing time. And you know this physically as well as mentally because you've put yourself in that environment. I've started using that binary music for work and when I work too because mm-hmm. sometimes the work is pretty boring and I'll find myself (laughs) (laughs) nodding off. So I found, I look specifically for loud, upbeat binary music that I use when I'm working. And then I use a different one when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. Um, Along those lines, Tina, do you write better in the morning or at night or whenever? Whenever I've had time to daydream, I write better. Okay. Wow. That's that's good. I like it. Mm -hmm. What about you, Jamie? Oh, gee. Um, well, I do best, I think, when I'm fresh early in the morning, and also it helps that everybody else is still asleep. I intentionally do not wake them mm-hmm. until I felt I've made some kind of process. Again, I'm, I'm a homeschooler, so mm-hmm. until I know I've made some kind of progress on my own writing, I don't wake them up and get them involved in everything that they have going on. Um, and then mm-hmm. that's just sort of situational. Uh, I and and this is another reason why I really want to kind of get a dedicated writing space because I'm in a phase of my writing career where I feel very chaotic and I think it will help me to hang my goals a little more neatly in my mental closet if I have a dedicated writing space and just a little more structure to what I'm doing mm-hmm. but for the right. most part I'm I'm best when I'm fresh in the morning okay what about you Jen um well um, as you ladies well know I'm not much of a night owl <laughs> yes, I am um, referred to as the old lady in the group because um, eight o'clock comes and I'm like, "Woo, so late!" Um, but I also get up at five five thirty every morning, so that kind of helps mm-hmm. with that. Um, for me, I honestly write best in the summer when my kids are off school. Um, you guys can probably all attest to that. Um, when I've gotten sleep all the way without having to have an alarm mm-hmm. clock to wake me up, and then first mm-hmm. thing in the morning. But during the school year, when I have to get up by an alarm clock, I am better midday after I've gotten mm-hmm. through everything with my kids and kind of get a handle on what my day is going to look like and then being able to sit down. So that's yes. so it just depends on what kind of sleep I get, honestly. I would think that this is more or less universally true of a lot, most moms. When, okay, so you've got either the bus stop at 4.30 or you have activities kind of going on. And it almost feels like, for me anyway, if we have something outside of the house that's an extra, well, that's it. That's the whole day. I mean, it doesn't even matter if it doesn't start until 4 o'clock because you feel like you feel like you're going to be limited and run out of time. And you just kind of get this weird mental thing going on where I don't have time to write today. And that is something that I often have to like fight through. No, that activity doesn't start until two 45. You have plenty of time to make time for writing. And I just don't know what that feeling is to where you just feel like probably the anticipation of, you know, it's coming up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kind of like how you can't sleep if you know your alarm's about to go off and right now. Right. Plus, I think, too, that, that we have to be more creative when we have things like that going on in our lives. We have to, like, sure. take a pen and paper, which is something that we, um, would probably be another great tip, is when you feel mm-hmm. like you can't write, when you feel like you've kind of hit a wall, put the mm-hmm. laptop away and grab an 
old-fashioned piece of paper and a pen, and you'd be amazed because it uses a different part of your brain, right? Like we're using different parts of ourselves, and um, all of a sudden you're writing something different and um, writing uh, in a different way, and all of a sudden things start coming. And so um, that's what I find myself doing sometimes at the bus stop if I have parent-teacher conferences and I'm waiting outside for a while or Mm -hmm. um, I just try to – I have to – I have to make myself find creative ways to write when my kids mm. are busy. Okay. They mentioned that in that study that, you know, that I'm going to link below that, that brain glow study. Mm-hmm. They actually talk about the writing by hand, the difference mm-hmm. between writing by hand and writing with a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, okay. So when you set a goal for yourself, how do you all feel about changing the goal? Are you okay with, um, having different goals for different times or projects, or do you think that you have to stick with what you set for yourself to begin with? Jamie? It's interesting that you would ask that because I, the sin that I fall into the most is pride, I think. And so I think a lot of times I will set a goal and I will not be able to make it for reasons that are out of my own control because I'm also like, well, so-and-so is just making a lot of excuses why they couldn't make their goal. And so now here I am, someone who didn't meet my goal and I have to like eat a little bit of crow about it. But, you know, and then I have excuses that I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Am I just making excuses? Well, well, the, you know, website domain company didn't release my name. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. then I have to realize that possibly I shouldn't be critical of other people who have to make adjustments to their goals. So, I tend to be the kind of person where I don't like to make a goal unless I know I can meet it. Um, but it's really funny how the Lord is working with me that that can be, you could be fall into a place of pride there if you can't be flexible. Um, I do also have a little bit of fear that if I don't honor my goal, then that's something that's negative on my character again, because of how I tend to be judgmental of others. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I think sort of a spiritual thing that you have to work out. I mean, you can't, if, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So you don't want to become Mr. Lazy Sloth who's like, oh, well, I didn't meet the goal, so what? But then right. you can't, like, think you, you know, you've dishonored your family and you need to fall on your sword if you don't miss, meet a goal either. Because I think either way, you're either coming from a place of pride or a place of sloth, and neither is really good. Mm-hmm. This right. shows a big difference between me and Jamie because I'm the one that's like, ah, you know, goals. I make them. They're there. I love watching them swish by those, you know, (laughs) those, those dates I set. Oh, I'll be done by that. Oh, there it went. You know, it doesn't mean I don't want to reach my goals, but I don't have the same kind of, um, stick to itness that Jamie does, um, which may be why my book still isn't out, but (laughs) the book is finished. This should be published by now. So, yeah. um, I think I'm somewhere in the middle on. between you two. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I'd like to meet my goals, but I have no problem adjusting them if I realize that I bit off more than I can chew and mm-hmm. um, I need to be more realistic. Yeah. What about yeah, you, Rhonda? Well, um, I constantly set goals for myself, and I have multiple levels of goals because I know that sometimes I'm a little ambitious. So I will set, um, like, you know, intermediate, like, I know I'm not going to get to this goal today, but I can get to this smaller goal that I've set. So, um, I can get discouraged really easily if I keep failing at something. So I 
just try to work with that part of my personality, but I still try to have some discipline. So these different That's levels of yeah. goals that you have, are they also color coded? <laughs> no, no, they're not yet. In your that bullet journal? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great idea, right? <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. it. As our listeners get to too, know us, um, we're going to understand mm-hmm. that joke. The more they get um, I like that because it really helps with my situation of, you know, uh, again, I'm having sort of a paradigm shift about goal setting in general. Um, I like how you can have a big overreaching goal. Here is my pie in the sky. If all the stars align and I don't get hung up on the fact that I have to be mom taxi today, I will accomplish X. But within X, there's A, B, and C, and D that all need to be done that will move you closer to X. So I do really appreciate you sharing that because that has helped me, and I'm sure it's helped someone who's listening. And that's kind yes. of, I think, how I did with the website, too. You know, like, I know I did my website. You were out of town. You had to do yours much faster than the rest of us. And even though I didn't have access to lots of stuff, I, I was able to go in and see, all right, that picture is this size. And I went looking and did pictures. And, you know, so, but so how does that translate into my writing? Um, I need to be um, editing right now like a, a crazy woman. Um, and one day last week, I literally sat down the whole day and got a ton done, and I felt really good about it. But then the next day, I didn't have that much time. So I need to figure out, like like Rhonda does, all right, so I, even though I can't do a whole bunch of editing, what can I do to still get me towards the goal of being done with this book? So that's good, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> so we talked about sprints for just a minute. Did we say everything we wanted to say? I don't know if everybody's really clear what a sprint is. Like we talked about it as though everybody knew what they were. Jen, do you want to speak to that? I would love to because I I love sprints. Um, I was introduced to writing sprints through NaNoWriMo. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know NaNoWriMo is, it is a National Novel Writing Month. And that's kind of originally how we um, got to know each other, the four of us, and our writing group also as well. Um, But what a writing sprint is, and it can be done lots of different ways, but basically you set a timer and while the timer, while you're in the middle of the writing sprint, that's all you're doing. And it's a sprint. I mean, you are writing as fast as you can. You don't answer the phone. You don't talk to anybody. You don't go up and get up and go to the bathroom. You don't get a drink. Like you, it is as if you are tied to your chair and you have to spend that 15 minutes, 25 minutes, whatever your sprint is, you have to spend that writing. And then the alarm goes off and you have to stop. You have to, I say, you have to get up and walk around. You, you know, that's when you use the bathroom, get a drink, whatever. But you need to at least get up and move around because as writers, we sit a lot during the day. Um, and the magic of the writing sprint is, is that if I just sit down for 25 minutes and write, I might get something. But if I sprint, if I time myself and I focus myself and I tell myself I'm not doing anything else, I'm not going to get distracted, I can get, um, in 25 minutes, I get close to 1,000 words. On a regular, just half an hour of writing, maybe 250 if I'm not focused. Because there's just things that will keep your focus away. So that's um, how we do We set a timer for not only, we learned our lesson with this early on, not only did we set the timer for the writing part, but we set the timer for the break too. Because our breaks yes. were getting ridiculously long. Because <laughs> yeah. we like to have- what I like about the writing sprints is sort of just what you said. I mean, we're all friends in writing group and we want to chit chat and make sure that we stay caught up on each other's lives and what's going on. 
But if you're you're getting together to write and no writing takes place, that can be really discouraging. And mm-hmm. you can even wonder, why did I show up to this? I mean, I really love my gale pals and everything, but I, I left the house today to get writing done. And so having the timer be the sort of bad guy to say, okay, everybody, it's time for us to really focus on our writing is super helpful because then it's not a person kind of doing it to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Another thing that helps me about, about the sprints is not only are you not allowed to like answer the phone or go get distracted by those things, but you don't look at your spelling mistakes and your yes. punctuation and mm-hmm. all that. That's the stuff that slows me down um, when mm-hmm. I'm not in a sprint. So right. then I can go back and do that later, and then, mm-hmm. then I just write. Yeah, and you I completely do- agree with you. You can do the sprints remotely. I mean, you can do them in isolation if that can motivate you. Um, I personally do not care to sprint when I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I love, um, even just if we say um, in a messenger or a text on your market set, go, and then whoever's keeping time and texts everybody, stop. Um, so you don't even have to have any sophisticated technology to be able to do this with your gal pals or, uh, I don't know, bro friends. Nothing rhymes with bro that's appropriate. So, Anyway, you uh, can still do writing sprints even if you can't get together, and they can be a nice community uh, exercise. And then you can challenge yourself to beat Tina Katane and her massive word counts that she gets during writing sprints. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked in our very first episode about writing groups and how uh, you could even have a writing group remotely from across the world. And um, the writing sprints are the same thing. And one thing we have not tried as a group, we've not done it through Skype. And I would love mm-hmm. for us to do some writing mm-hmm. sprints with Skype because I really miss the as soon as you're done time everyone's like oh my gosh mm-hmm. you know that no, that whole like no. yeah like oh my gosh you guys wait do you hear this you don't get that as as well from messenger um though we have done that before <clears throat> all caps you'll never guess what I just wrote you know so, <laughs> so we should do right. that soon we should yeah. do a Skype that's a fun yeah sprints. we should talk about I'm that. on I'm yeah. in whatever I'll do it <laughs> great Okay, um, so is there anything else anybody wants to say about our writing goals? A way to improve them, a way that they've helped you, uh, a tidbit, anything? I'm curious to know how everyone's doing with that goal of writing every day. Let's let's be really transparent. Let's see. How, how are you? You first, doing? Jen. I yeah. will. <laughs> I am so transparent. I don't even care. You guys know it. Um, I've been doing, I want to say, my initial knee-jerk reaction to say, terrible, I'm doing terrible with the writing. But when I look back this last, let's say, five days, I, I can remember very easily, I wrote um, a newsletter slash blog post for um, the podcast and I wrote I worked on um, my website which had some writing I had to do on it and I wrote um, there was something else I wrote I, I did editing and I wrote um, some parts of my of my novel that I'm working on so I'm doing really good Sundays are hard I think probably Sundays are the day that I don't get writing done and um, yesterday I can't remember if I wrote or not but I'm getting there so I'm doing something every day, but um, I, need, I need to be better about it because, I, again, I don't have a dedicated writing time or writing space. I need to work on those things. Mm-hmm. How about you, Rhonda? Well, um, actually, since I set my new goal of uh, writing the nonfiction articles, mm-hmm. uh, I've been writing more. And I don't know if Yay. it's because I enjoy reading nonfiction better than fiction. Maybe part of it is kind of what I'm leaning toward right now, 
but it's easier for me to write nonfiction. And that has made me stick with that goal much better. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I would like to think also it's because you came back from Florida and were embraced <laughs> by us. And we have just been so helpful to you. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is probably 99% of it. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Tina, yeah, are you so doing? It, yeah, if it wasn't for this writing group, I probably wouldn't be writing at all Aww. right now. But um, yeah, I I was working on revamping my website, so... A lot of the writing I did, like, I rewrote my About Me page probably three times in the last week <laughs> um, until I got it how I want it. And I'm still not quite there, but I'm working on it. Uh, I wrote a blog post for my website. Um, I wrote another, a second installment for my story about a dog named Chugiak on my Patreon site. Um, and so I don't know that I wrote every day, but I got a lot of writing done. I need to be, I don't think I need to make like a calendar, like, you know, mm-hmm. like they had at school and get some gold stars. And mm-hmm. like yes, and um, I think also just if you decide what your goals are, you know, because in, like, well, is your goal to write an hour a day, 500 mm-hmm. words a day? What is it, you know? Right. right. And with all these other peripheral things that we have to do with websites and newsletters and that sort of thing. I think if you feel like you're being honest with your goals and you're not trying to get out of writing by busy work somewhere else, yeah, I think you're accomplishing your goal. You know, and maybe not the specific goal, but you know, I think you're doing your writerly duty. Anything that moves us forward, right, towards publication, for sure, That's right. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are we ready for backfeeding? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. I love backfeeding. All right. My back is hungry. Okay. <laughs> My kind of is too. Okay, so it's <laughs> feedback time. Uh, here's a reminder of how our feedback works. Sometimes we submit a piece for uh, to our group for a full-on critique, but sometimes, like here on the podcast, we submit a raw, fresh, unedited piece. This helps us develop a safe community for receiving criticism because we each take turns being utterly vulnerable. Because these are new, unedited works, we do not give criticism, only encouragement. This week, we were given uh, 15 minutes to write a story. This story could be any genre, but must contain at least three of the following eight words. And they are duck, dish, iron, motorcycle, pencil, university, Indiana, (laughs) and rhinoceros. So how did you ladies do? Well, I heard India, not Indiana. It was supposed to be India. Oh, yeah, I... I, didn't I say India? Did Sorry. anybody use Indiana instead? No. I used, oh, bo- I used both. Oh. oh. Ooh, Ooh, I over can't wait to see her. <laughs> wow. Excuse me. Okay. All right. So who's sharing first? John Rhonda? I mean Rhonda. Um, I think <laughs> Christina, since she was the word generator, I think she's going to go first. Oh, boy. All right. Okay. Here goes. Sahib Dwak. Sorry, I'm going to start over. Sahib walked through the dusty streets on his way home. He stopped to buy a bottle of Coke from a street vendor, parching the dryness in his throat from the Indian summer heat. The streets of Calcutta were cluttered with motorcycles, carts pulled by oxen or men, pedestrians, and all kinds of livestock, including a duck who seemed to have gotten lost away from the palace grounds. Horns blared and vendors called out to passersby to come and buy their wares. Women in brightly colored sarongs hurried through the crowds, some with clay jugs or woven baskets balanced on their heads. 
So he was grateful for the job he'd gotten sweeping the halls of the university. But it was a long walk home every night to his wife and six children in the poor section of the city. He stopped to buy onions and curry from the market on his way. His wife would smile when he gave them to her. With this new job, one day he may be able to move his family from their small shack and into a proper home. He soon reached the outskirts of the main city where the shops, temples, and hotels dwindled and the streets turned to dirt. Scantily clad children ran through the dust, laughing as they chased each other. One small boy squatted, drawing in the dirt, using his finger as a pencil. Sahib smiled at the boy. What are you drawing? A rhinoceros, the boy declared proudly. Very good, Sahib said before continuing on his way. When he finally reached his own hut, the sun was setting, painting the sky burnt orange and cooling the air. His wife squatted in front of a fire in their yard in a green sarong, stirring dinner in an iron pot. I brought onions and curry, he said. Oh, how wonderful, she replied. The children ran to hug their father, and Sahib sat at last to rest his tired bones. (laughs) That was really good. Have you been to India? Yes. Okay, I can tell because I did have a movie going through my mind. You did such a good job creating a scene. Amazing, yeah. And your use of the words, too, really creative. Yeah. Love it. And I love how you were so descriptive, but not in a flowery way. Stirring, mm-hmm. I don't remember the line, but stirring whatever in an iron pot. Like, that is so descriptive without it being like, the pot was from Bangladesh. and blah. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. just enough. And I really mm-hmm. love Sahib. I really want good things for him. Right. How many of the I really enjoyed really drawing the rhinoceros. I loved it. Yeah. How many I really wanted to spend more time um, describing the Coke. Because that was, like, my favorite thing when we would be, like, touring. And it was so hot and I was so thirsty. And these guys had these little carts with the small glass bottles of Coke in them in, like, ice. And that was, like, the best thing. Just, like, just just chug down that bottle of Coke. That was... um, How many words? 342. No, how many of the the words that we had to use? Oh, I think I used all of them except for for dish. I didn't use dish. It didn't feel like a forced thing. No, not at all. No, not great. at all. Sweet. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Jen, why don't you go next? Sure. <clears throat> Can I borrow a pencil? Annie sighed. May I borrow a pencil? You're all out of pencils, too. No, I'm just pointing out Annie stopped when she saw the twinkle in Megan's eye. You are exasperating. Do you know that? It's what I live for. If it weren't for men who ride motorcycles, ice cream in a cold dish, and getting under your skin, there'd be no reason to get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Megan snatched a pencil out of Annie's apron and twirled away in the direction of the latest motorcycle man who had just seated himself at the counter. Annie looked around the dilapidated diner. The signs of summer were everywhere outside. The ducks had returned and had invaded the pond across the street. The trees were completely filled in all of their greenery, and the hazy mirages over the hot blacktop floated across the parking lot filled with bikes and convertibles. Inside, the signs were there as well. The diner, located just off I-69, was a popular stop for businessmen charading as bikers on the weekends, as well as (laughs) university students taking breaks from their summer road trips. Annie didn't pay much attention to the bikers. It was the college kids she watched, jealously. Had she made different choices in life, it might be her finishing up her degree and taking a summer off to travel the beaten-up roads of Michigan. But alas, there would be no summers off for this single mom, no exciting worldwide trips, 
unless you believed her believed like her little Lucy that their upcoming trip to Indiana would actually transport them across the globe to the real India, full of elephants and rhinoceroses and other exciting adventures. If only she realized that Indiana would only transport them to one of the worst possible trips ever, a trip to meet Lucy's dad. Order up. Lucy reached for the dish placed under the warming lamp. At least Indiana would offer a break from this place. I love it. Yay! I was going to ask if this was Warren's granddaughter, but forget it. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good. Is it? It's like you are writing um, three decades ahead or four decades ahead of your novel. I like it. Oh, it's, really? I imagine yeah. right now, but I can see what, what you're what you're mm-hmm. saying there. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was really nothing to place it in today because anything you said could have been, you know, a couple mm. decades ago too. Plus, I, I oh, and I like that. I like being able to imagine my own scene. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I use the word diner, which is not common in Michigan. In Michigan, we call them Coney Islands, and yeah. so um, it's one of those things that, like, I think might have helped make it feel like it was older than what it is too. So. Yes. I really liked businessmen masquerading as bikers. And I loved your specifics about how you knew it was summertime and how it was signs both outside and inside is really descriptive. It was good. Oh, thank you. Love that. Thanks. Love that. And I wonder, are you going to, yeah, I was going to say, are you going to finish this? Because it kind of sounds like a typical everything is gloom and doom, but then wait, behold, a big hunk of burning love comes on the scene. <laughs> <laughs> in know? a pickup truck, not a motorcycle. Right, right yes. <laughs> oh, you ride a motorcycle? <laughs> I don't know, whatever. That's why we don't write romances. Right, Tina? <laughs> right. right, that's right. That was a rom. I just wrote a romance. I don't know what you're talking about, Jamie. Oh, he brought her onions and curry. I mean, how more romantic can you get? Just as excited as he thought she would be. It was really good. (laughs) All right, Jamie. What did you do with the words? Well, all right. Here, let's just read it. The most famous dish at the Goddess of India restaurant was curried rhinoceros. That was, at least, according to the review of the place Lydia had found on Yelp. Fantastic, she said to her cat, Frederick. He's going to have bad breath by the end of the date. Frederick was not paying any attention to her. Instead, he smushed himself up against her in a plea for affection. Lydia obliged and began stroking the cat, who erupted in a frenzy of purrs and appreciative drawling yelps. Well, Lydia said, picking up the cat and holding him to her cheek, this blind date may not end with a happily ever after, but I'll always have you, my sweet little cotton puff. At that moment, Frederick's ears went back and his eyes narrowed, his body twisted in serpentine fashion, and his front claws grabbed hold of Lydia's face while his back feet lashed wildly at her shoulder. Lydia and the cat both shrieked in harmony, the cat eliciting a growling bass and Lydia wailing a high C. Lydia's hands flew to her face and the cat fell to the ground, disappearing under the sofa. As Lydia staggered to the bathroom to assess the damage to her face, her cell phone rang. It was her best friend, Dottie. Hi, ready for tonight? Dottie asked, perky as ever. 
If you call having recently contracted a case of cat scratch fever ready, then I'd say, sure, Lydia replied, frowning at the large gash on her left cheek, which extended from just below the place where her nose met her eye to the place where her jaw met her ear. What does that even mean? Dottie asked. I'll tell you about it later. He's going to be at the restaurant soon. I have to go. Lydia ended the call and reached for her makeup bag. Time to perform a miracle, she sighed. Three hours later, carry-out container of Peking duck in her hand, Lydia stumbled through the door to her apartment and sighed. The cat sauntered down the hallway toward her, making his customary roar of greeting. Oh, Frederick, Lydia told the cat, crossing the room to hang her keys on their designated hook. The date was an absolute disaster. The cat darted in between her feet as she walked, sending the carryout container into the air and her sprawling to the floor. Lydia was not hurt physically, but she did not get up. Laying there on the cool tile floor, she felt helpless and vulnerable. And in that moment, the situation felt like a metaphor for every area of her life. She lay there in the dimness of the evening and sobbed. When she'd finished, she sat up, wiping her eyes and nose with her sweater sleeves. At least I have you, Frederick, she said. Frederick? She glanced across the room toward the far-flung carryout container, where there sat Frederick, fully absorbed with the work of tearing into her leftover duck breast. <laughs> I feel like I have been Lydia before. Right, seriously. <laughs> Minus the cat scratch. I kept waiting for the cat to turn into an alien and could declare his undying love. And this was why he was (laughs) sabotaging her blind date. Yeah. I switched your duck for Cheetos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That was really good. I liked it. You're so good. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I love how you always use animals. Like I, Mm -hmm. I don't have that gift, but I love how you're able to like, have an animal without the animal actually talking though you've done that before too without having the animal actually talk like they have a complete personality and completely take over the whole show do you know what i mean like it, like you know how they they say like who was it said john wayne never he never wanted to work with children or animals because they would just no. you know like upstage and then they were hard to work with or whatever mm-hmm. like you're, this is a story that you you wrote in 15 minutes and like the cat just has a complete personality and takes over the story i just love it right so good yeah. It's so did diabolical. You did you ever have a cat? Um, I did not ever personally own a cat, but I have I've known many types of cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My roommate had a cat once that I actually liked. I mean, it was just kind of like you would come home and the cat would be so happy to see you. And we would sit on the couch just talking to each other and the cat would lay there in the middle room just as happy as could be to be spending time with us. Like that was an okay cat, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But mostly I think cats are mean. <laughs> <laughs> If you couldn't tell, (laughs) this cat is mean anyway. Or I I think this cat is just like, you know, I think you're more into me than I am into you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all cats are like that. Like, you have to be chosen by a cat. Mm -hmm. You don't choose cats. Poor Lydia. (laughs) I know. And I would like to know more about Frederick, too. I hope you continue this. Because he seems like he could be very dull or very interesting. I'm not sure. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just have ideas popping into my head. Okay. Good. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. All right, Rhonda. Okay. You guys You're ready? up. Yep. All right. Mine's short. Handwritten. Okay. 
Uh, Jen, I need to talk to you about pencils later, apparently. Okay. (laughs) The pencil is poised in my hand in in such an authorly way. If only I could expect the words to flow from it as easily as I held the pencil. Why a memoir? I've done nothing worth reading. I've done nothing worth reading and especially nothing worth the work of writing it down. So I went to university. Boring. Bachelor's of liberal, liberal arts. Blah. Maybe I should make up a story. Maybe one time I took a safari through Africa on my motorcycle. Yes, and we barely outran a rhinoceros. It's amazing how fast that animal, an animal that looks as big as a tank can be. No, I don't think I could sell that. I trace the rim of the dish on the table in front of me. A chuckle escapes my throat as I think about the first pie I ever made. I serve Granny a slice, or should I say a glob, of that very tart lemon pie on this very dish. The pencil in my hand looks different now. I begin scribbling a few hesitant words on the page. I visited my grandparents one day when the lemons were just getting ready to pick. Grandma shooed me and Papa out the back door on a mission to fill her fruit bowl with the little balls of sun. Ah, uh, oh, that was the end. Oh. Very oh, good. We shouldn't have stopped her writing, and then we could have gotten yeah. more. Probably, I should probably type these short ones so that I can get more out. I super love that he's like. Why would I write a memoir? I have done nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. I just like, I mean, haven't you ever felt about like, why should I write? I don't have anything to say. Or I mean, it's just really a really good peek inside of a person's mind who's just stuck. Mm-hmm. And it makes me right. ask more questions too. Like, well, why is he sitting down to write a memoir then? Like, what? Mm-hmm. who is this person? And why is this a choice that he's making? And, you know, or mm-hmm. she, I, th- I assumed it was a she, but. And it doesn't occur to the person to write about the lemon pie and the relationship with the grandmother. Like, do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like right there before you, those relationships. And, you right. know, that is, you don't have to go to Africa to have something to say. Yeah. Right. Well, okay, let me step on my platform here. Um, this was inspired by these journals I've been given access to of my, um, sixth grade uh, uncle and my cousin, his son. And they were written from uh, the 1840s through 1910. And they wrote just their daily life. You know, like I slapped the pigs today. I, you know, fixed the fence today or whatever. And I feel like I know these people after reading decades worth of these journals of just day to day, boring information. And so this is, um, you know, I pictured this person. Um, I didn't really, it's funny, I didn't really have a man or woman in mind either. Uh, but anyway, this person had a genealogist in the family who was nagging for just a few little excerpts or a few memories uh, from their childhood mm. or growing up, you know, just a way for their ancestors or their descendants to get to know them a little bit. Because um, this isn't the kind of person that's going to sit and write a daily journal of their daily boring stuff. So that was where this started wow. that's why they're writing the memoir well once again you've taken like an everyday moment that anybody could have had sitting at their table trying to do something and brought it to life yeah it's very yeah, very good great talent I, uh, for that i'm gonna try to flush that one out i think yeah as someone who writes historical novels i just mm-hmm. find that super exciting to sit down and be able to, to like read all that you know like i have a subscription to newspapers.com and i'm able to actually go to the lansing state journal for mm-hmm. the years that i'm the my the setting of my um my mm-hmm. stories and i sometimes will just sit and read you know mm-hmm. issue after issue after issue 
just mm-hmm. to see what's going on. And it's just so cool to me. Like, I think that's awesome. So exciting. Yep. Jen, yeah. maybe you should link to that um, with this podcast so that if there's someone who's watching that is also into writing historical stuff, they would have that resource. Yeah, great. I'll definitely do that. Rhonda, that was beautiful. Oh, thank yes. you. All right. So are we ready for accountability then? Yes. Um, all right. Well, this is the accountability corner where we check in with one another to make sure we're each moving forward on our journey toward publication. Of course, there are many paths along this journey, and each looks a little different, and we all know that everyone moves at his or her own pace. So in our group, we set, we each set our own SMART goals, ones that are significant, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. Then we announce them here on the podcast. So Jamie, let's start with you. Um, I'm making a goal to write 5,000 words this week. Oh, for the entire week. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter to you if you do 10 today and then... 2000 tomorrow. Nope. Good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Tina? Um, well, I'm, my goal is to write an hour a day, whether it's uh, on my novel or the content that I've promised my patrons, uh, patrons on Patreon. Um, but I do need to spend at least half that time on my novel. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Uh, Jen? Mine is still the same ongoing goal is to um, get some more edited on uh, my current novel. Um, I need to cut another um, 4,000 from the first act and then so happy. So can you do that 4,000 in a week? Would you like to yeah. say I'm going to do those 4,000 cuts? Yeah, because I cut 10,000 last week. So I can, yeah. Good job. Um, but I, I'd like to cut maybe even a little bit more than 4,000 because I think, as you guys know, I cut out some characters and some chapters, and I believe I'm going to write another, a character back in that I took out. So I'll have to add a little bit to it. But I'm sorry. It's kind of a sidetrack, but it's so real weird how you can create these characters and then, like, obliterate them. Oh, I, know. Saying, I know. Like, if I just erased Frederick, I would feel a loss. It would mm. feel really bad. Anyway. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. That, like, it, that's what I think held me up for so long, too. And then, like, you would point out to me once you're like, that's just so much work, all those thousands of words you're cutting. But, um, like, again, I said, like I said, the previous episodes – um, I wrote this book first and it's just not as good and it's not as concise as it should be. And it's a better novel as I'm cutting things out, but also, um, the characters I'm losing, I'm not losing forever. Um, Ooh. I decided, yes. So, um, this book is book number three out of four in a series. Um, but I'm going to, when that series is done, I'm going to start a new series that follows the couple from this book and their mm. married life. So that's nice. nice. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, so Jen, do you think you need to set up an appointment with Tina to get I those words I, cut out? I seriously need to have Tina go through and tell me this is useless. Take this out. Garbage. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she says that because she, she took a piece that she said, do you like the piece with or without this chunk of words? And Rhonda and I and the other ladies in our group said, we like it without. And Jen says, yes, that's Tina said to chop all of that. So. <laughs> Yep. I had a lucky day. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. My goals would be last week I had um, – I'm going to do the same goals as last week because I was really satisfied with – it wasn't overwhelming to me, and I really feel like I accomplished something worthwhile, and um, I'm going to stick with that for this week too. And what is that So again? what is that? 
Yeah. Oh, that was um, okay. So I'm going to draft out five nonfiction articles for my historical society, and then I'm going uh, to complete two, and then have three in the bank for future when I have more time to um, write the articles. And then also, um, we are working on a scene. My mom and, mom and I are working on a scene, and we need to get that finished. Awesome. awesome. That's great. So that's what that is. All right. So uh, now we should remind our listeners we have an excellent resource available uh, when you join our mailing list. In addition to never missing an episode of the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, you get a free download of our critique sheet, critique cheat sheet, which will help you both give and receive critiques. Click the link below to join our mailing list and receive your free cheat sheet. Would anybody like to explain our sheet or talk about how great well, it is? A few times we would be at a, a writing, a write-in, for example, for NaNoWriMo or some other venue where it was a larger group or a group of strangers. And then a piece would be shared and we wouldn't quite know how to express even if we liked the piece, it was really tricky for us to say, I know, I know I liked it, but what feedback can I give? And so on the cheat sheet, there's even written out for you, I really like your use of the phrase, fill in the blank to something apropos, because sometimes you just kind of get stage fright or something. And when it comes your turn to give feedback on a piece, you got nothing. And there's nothing worse than that crickets when it says, so everybody, how did you like the work? Because the person who submitted the piece is sitting there thinking, well, everybody must have hated it since nobody has anything nice to say. Mm -hmm. So the critique cheat sheet isn't just how to tear a piece apart. It's also how to be encouraging and to give good feedback about any piece of writing that um, is submitted for you to critique. Thank you for that. All right. Well, uh, this concludes the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. So join us next week when our topic will be is independent publishing right for you? So until next week, may your pen be prolific, your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Amen. Bye. Bye. Bye.